This morning we'll be in Luke chapter 5, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Before we get there, I want to ask a question to all of you. Have you ever been really dirty and smelly? There we go. All right. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. As I just said, for those of you who could not hear me before, uh, have you ever been really dirty or smelly? You don't have to raise your hand. I, you know. Maybe so. Maybe you've been so dirty and smelly that your family or friends don't even want to be around you because you stink. Have you ever been that dirty or smelly? Uh, when someone has been playing outside or exercising or working in the yard or playing a sport, um, in our family, when, we say, when they say that they're going to go take a shower, we all kind of joke around saying something like, it's about time, or yeah, we were starting... You're starting to stink so bad, my eyes were watering, or something like that. So we kind of joke about it, and we know that we can be stinky and dirty, right? Um, especially after we've uh, played or worked out or worked in the yard. And when we're dirty and smelly, the only thing that will make people want to be around us again is what? <laughs> what, Gabby? To be clean? Yeah. You wash away the dirt, right? You wash away the stench. <laughs> and this morning, we find even more serious need to be clean, right? Jesus, this morning, encounters a man with leprosy. Now, I just want to take a few minutes just to tell you to talk about leprosy, because we may not understand what leprosy is or was. Just want to remind us before we get started here too far, and if you do have children who'd like to participate in children's worship, they can be dismissed now. Uh, they're in room, room number two uh, down in our, uh, in our education hall. So if you would like to go, you're welcome to send them now. Sorry, out of practice. <laughs> but I want us to think a little bit about what leprosy is because Jesus encounters this man with leprosy. And now, leprosy was not contagious. It's still not contagious. People still get leprosy today. And it's a disease caused by your nerves not working properly, right? Our nerves help us to know, like when we touch things, right? That, like, I, I know right now that I'm touching this. It's made out of wood, it's, or it's hard. I can feel that, right? But leprosy takes away our ability to feel, our ability to know uh, what we're touching, and this disease makes our work, nerves not work properly. And so what happens is you accidentally hurt yourself. Can you imagine if you didn't know when something was hot or really cold or something was sharp or things like that, like what could happen to you if you didn't have that feeling, right? You could easily cut yourself. You could burn yourself. You could even lose fingers and toes because something sharp would cut them and you didn't even know that it happened. And you not only do that once or twice, but you continue to do it over and over and over again. You continue to harm yourself, and you don't even know it until it's too late. And those injuries that you have all over your body, now they start to get infected, right? They start to have bacteria grow in them, and they start to stink, and they start to fester. And these infections begin to eat away at your flesh. 
So while leprosy itself isn't contagious, there are, or maybe bacteria in those wounds that are contagious. There may be a sense of not wanting to be around somebody because of the smell and the stench. But there was a religious aspect as well in Jesus' day. Open wounds or infections made a person unclean. And not unclean because of the infection, though the infection was unclean, right? To stop an infection, you have to clean it and you, know, and you have to care for it. But it was also unclean in the religious sense, meaning they weren't able to worship in the temple. They couldn't bring the required sacrifices to the temple to be cleansed of their sin. And so this is the predicament we find this man with leprosy in the day that Jesus encountered and that we encounter in our text. This man with leprosy who is unclean, not just physically, but he's unclean spiritually as well because he's not been able to do what is required of the law, to bring the appropriate sacrifices before God. And so he is unclean both in body and spirit. Let's read from Luke 5, verses 12 through 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report of, about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Well, let's follow Jesus' example and pray before we come to the text. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word made flesh in Jesus and the word that you've given us in the Bible. Lord, we pray that you give us ears to hear, ears to hear the word that your son is giving us this day. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So we continue in our series in the Gospel of Luke. And last week we were in Luke chapter 5 at the beginning, verses 1 through 11, where Jesus is teaching by the Sea of Galilee. And he asks Peter if he can use his boat to preach from, right? There's all this, this big crowd and they're pressing in. He's right on the edge of the water and they, it's such a big crowd that he wants to get in the boat so he can get a little bit away from them, but move out so that more people can see him and hear him. And when he's done teaching... He tells Peter to go out a little further and let down his net. And you remember Peter was like, oh, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about, right? We fished all night and caught nothing. But because you've said it, we'll do it. And we ask the question, are we willing to not just listen to Jesus, but actually hear him, right? We talked about the, the Hebrew understanding of hearing was to not just like the act of listening, the act of hearing sound waves that come through the air, but actually 
listening to what has been said, and then to actually do it. So hearing is a, is a twofold thing. It is listening and doing. And we saw that hearing Jesus is merely, not merely listening to Jesus. It's listening, obeying, and following. And today we continue to follow Jesus. Just like Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the fishermen that dropped their nets and followed Jesus. And we follow him into the presence of a man with leprosy. Now we may think it's strange in our text today that the man doesn't ask to be healed. Do you notice that? He doesn't ask to be healed. Right up until this point, we, when we've seen others who have been healed, Jesus just either does it or they ask him for healing. But this man asks to be made clean. Right? He doesn't ask to be healed. And the request that he makes is both religious and social. Right? He understands that his healing, like the regrowth of fingers or toes, is not what's his biggest issue, is that he needs to be cleansed. He needs to be clean. It's more than just being healed. His uncleanliness, right? It's not the fact that he doesn't have maybe fingers or toes, an ear, maybe even a nose that is cutting him off from his friends, family, neighbors, from human touch. It is his uncleanliness. But it's not just his friends and family and neighbors, not just the lack of human touch, but he is also cut off from the worship of God. From being able to go to the temple to commune with his God. And so he understands what is true of us all apart from Christ. We are unclean. And what we see in our text today that we must understand is that we deceive ourselves if we believe we are clean. Right? We deceive ourselves if we believe that we don't need to be cleansed. Right? As the Apostle John wrote in our assurance of forgiveness, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Right? We deceive ourselves if we believe that we are clean. Now, we may not have gaping wounds that are rotting, but we are in need of the same cleansing because of sin. Sin that has corrupted every part of us, just as this man was full of leprosy. Right? It means that his body had been fully taken over by leprosy. So does, has sin fully taken over has corrupted every part of us. And what we see in our text today, our main point is that Jesus is the only one who can cleanse us. Jesus is the only one who can cleanse us. And we see this as in our cleansing need, his cleansing touch, and cleansed for mission. Jesus is the only one who can cleanse us. And we first look at our cleansing need. 
What's interesting is this, that many would have thought that people with leprosy were great sinners, right? In that day, there was this understanding that if you had some ailment, some deficiency, some physical or mental incapability, that you had sinned in some way or your parents had sinned. But Jesus continually reminds us that it is not that because They've sinned any worse than anyone else. This is an aspect of the fall, of sin being throughout all of creation and through us. And this man with leprosy was not more of a sinner. He wasn't worse or guiltier than anyone else. But we see throughout Scripture that leprosy is a parable for sin. That those who have this ailment are are almost a walking picture for us of what sin is and what it does. It's an outward and visible sign of our innermost spiritual condition. This man with leprosy is a physical illustration of ourselves apart from the cleansing work of Jesus Christ. Sin has invaded every part of us Sin's leprosy runs from the soles of our feet to the tops of our heads. And we are wholly unclean. This is how we are born. This is how we naturally live apart from Jesus Christ. Spiritually, without Jesus, we are dead. Right? Scripture tells us over and over again, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are dead. We are dead people walking. We are the living dead. If we could see the visual, if we could see visually the effects of our sin, we would look apart from Christ, apart from his cleansing, apart from his healing like this man with leprosy. We'd be hideously disfigured. This cleansing need is for everyone and we often fall into two kinds of ways in which we understand our sin. One is that we may not see it as such a big deal. We may not see it as that big a deal. It's just little things. It's just a little bit of sin. I only sin a little bit. And yet we see over and over again that our sin is not a little bit or that we are only a little bit sinful, but we are completely sinful. We are like this man with leprosy, full of leprosy. And sometimes we may understand that we are full of sin, that we are full of of leprosy like this man. And then we understand the sense that we are so full of sin, but that we are beyond help. 
right? We may understand the depths of our sin. We may understand the depths of the sin that we have, that we struggle with, the depth of sin in our lives in terms of how it impacts us. And we believe because we understand it so well that we are beyond the cleansing power of Jesus. So we've convinced ourselves that we are that we are beyond help. And yet we see clearly in our text that Jesus comes to those who understand our need to be cleansed, to be clean. That all of us, no matter where we find ourselves on that continuum of understanding our sin, are in the same place. We have the cleansing need that this leper, that this man with leprosy had. We need to be cleansed of our sin. We are cleansed by Jesus. We are cleansed by his cleansing touch, by his cleansing blood. What's interesting is that if you go back to Leviticus and you read what was put in place in the law of God in terms of how people with leprosy were to, to, live, out, to live and to separate themselves because that they are unclean, as happens a lot, <laughs> what we do is we take what God has said and then we begin to build on that in ways that are evil, in ways that are beyond God's law, in ways in which we begin to create a gross misrepresentation of who God is and his law. And so by the time Jesus comes around, rabbinical teaching has added all kinds of extra laws, all kinds of extra protocols to how those with leprosy to be treated. And so they made it even stricter. They made it even more debilitating worse. If a leper even put their head inside of a house or building that was pronounced unclean, it was illegal not just to be in close contact with a leper to touch them, but you could not even greet them because you would become unclean. God's law never said that. Right? You couldn't even show that you have some compassion and love for this person who is in this state because had been added to God's law to say you could not even greet someone with leprosy because that would make you unclean. Not only were you to not touch a person with leprosy as God's law had, had stated. But now, but now the law had been expanded that you had to remain at least a hundred cubits away if you were upwind from a person with leprosy. 
So it wasn't just good enough to not touch them. But now you had to stand probably out from where I am to the back of the room if you were downwind from a person with leprosy. If you were, or if you were upwind, if you were downwind, you could be four cubits away. But you still see this distancing going from just don't touch to ostracizing them literally from any type of human interaction. Josephus, the Jewish historian, summed it up by saying that lepers were treated as if they were in effect dead. Yes, they would die, likely, but they were already viewed as dead. And to the rabbis, the cure of a person with leprosy in their mind was as difficult as raising a person from the dead. So Jesus, in our text today, is radically challenging what the rabbinical law had done to God's law. He's radically challenging not only by touching this man, but by allowing him to even come close to him by even speaking to him. You see, it's not just in the touch that we see Jesus breaking with the understanding of his day, but allowing this man to come that close by even speaking with this man. Dane Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers, highlights something that we might miss. He says, the sinless one, the holy one, the one who should have been repulsed by sin and uncleanness, who shouldn't have gone near it, and what did he, Dane says, what did he, Jesus, do when he saw the unclean? What was his first impulse when he came across prostitutes and lepers? He moved toward them. Pity flooded his heart. The longing of true compassion Do you know what it's like maybe to feel like someone who has leprosy? To cry out, maybe not out loud, but in your mind, unclean, unclean. If they only knew, they wouldn't want to come near you. Or maybe you know how, what it feels like to be the outcast, the one who you feel like no one is allowed to come near you 
the one who no one's allowed to even speak to you. Like the one living on the outside, not able to be where you long to be. Jesus comes to you. His impulse is to move towards you. His heart full of love and compassion for you. Jesus doesn't just go where it's unclean or to the unclean. He doesn't just come to sympathize with you and me in our distress. He comes to heal, to make new, to cleanse. Again, Ortland points out, Jesus walked the earth, rehumanizing the dehumanized and cleansing the unclean. Jesus walked the earth, rehumanizing the dehumanized and cleansing the unclean. Here in our text, we see and experience both those aspects of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus, in his interaction with this man with leprosy, with his speaking to him, with him allowing him to come close to him, with his reaching out and touching him. In fact, the word here for touch sometimes is translated as grab hold of. What we see here is that two things that those that Luke were writing to would have understood and that we should understand as well. That Jesus affirms the unity of body and soul by cleansing the leper and sending him to the priest for the cleansing that Moses, that the law had commanded as well. But we also should see that Jesus is already showing here, already beginning to give us a picture, a window of what his work is to do. That his atonement, his atoning sacrifice, that he would make an atoning sacrifice for sin. He is the sacrament. He is the one true sacrifice of whom all the Old Testament sacrifices point to, that this man with leprosy who he is cleansed and he is sending to the priest to be inspected and then to give these sacrifices, Jesus is showing him and showing us that his cleansing is pointing to what Jesus will do in just a few short years. Go to the cross for our cleansing, for our healing. He sends this man with leprosy to the priest for sacrifices that look forward to what Jesus will do in this and has done for us. This witness of the man with leprosy offering in the presence of God, the atoning work in Jesus is what we see here. He is already pointing to what Jesus has come to do. 
in this moment when Jesus and the leper meet, the sacrificial system is still functioning in its fullness and is pointing to the one who is already there, already here, already the one who is cleansing from all unrighteousness, the one who is cleansing and making whole. And he's telling him to go and do what I will do for you. Jesus is also showing us in his touch that the unclean doesn't make the clean unclean. Right? As his hands, as the body of Christ, as his hands, we are called to be his healing touch with those who might be deemed unclean in our society or culture. Right? We as God's people are to be his hands. We are to be the ones that reach out and touch those who are told that they are untouchable. As Jesus has cleansed us, we too are to be those who take his healing touch. Not that we heal, but as God's people, we bring with us by the Holy Spirit at work the touch, the care, the compassion, the mercy of Jesus. As I was reading different commentaries and looking and studying for this, one of the commentators mentioned that he had a a gentleman in his church who didn't have any family, who lived alone. And he would go and get his hair cut once a week. And the, and the pastor asked him, he goes, why do you get your hair cut every single week? And he said, I go to get my hair cut because at least I know once a week someone will touch me. I will feel the touch of another human being. You see, we don't heal, literally. Our hands don't cleanse and heal from leprosy. Our hands don't heal and cleanse. Our hands don't heal the blind or make those who are deaf hear. but our touch has healing power. Our touch shows the care and love of our Savior. And so we are are called to be those who go and bring that healing touch of Jesus. to those who are in need. So we are, we have a cleansing need. We receive the cleansing touch. Finally, we are cleansed for mission. This may not be immediately clear from our text. You might be saying, where 
do you see this, John? Where in our text do we see this? We see it not in our text directly, except for in the words that Jesus says, to go show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded. The reason I took so much time this morning to read such a long passage in Leviticus is because that's what Jesus was referring to. In those few words, Jesus was giving us all of that that I read in Leviticus, all of what the law of God said that the person with leprosy must do and what the priest must do. You see, by Jesus telling him to go to the priest, he's not merely going to be declared clean by the priest, but he is going to be made ready for mission. You see, in the initial part of the ceremony, this live bird, right, that is being released in the open fields to wing its way to freedom is a a picture of the, the freedom that this one who was not free, who was bound in his uncleanliness, has been set free. And he's sprinkled by the blood of that first bird that is sacrificed. And he's once again to join the community. And this is a foreshadowing of, the, of Christ's blood, which reconciles us to God and makes it possible for the sinner to join the household of faith, to be welcomed in, to be welcomed back in. And then on the eighth day, after they have lived outside of the tent for, eight, for seven days, on the eighth day, the person with leprosy would offer three unblemished lambs as guilt offering, a sin offering, and a burnt offering. The guilt offering was more of an offering of restitution for the offerings and sacrifices that he was unable to make while he was unable to worship as he was commanded. His restitution and fresh commitment were then dramatically emphasized when the priest would take the blood. He smeared it on the right ear and on the right thumb and on the right toe. And then he would take that oil and smear it on the same places as the blood. Right? The blood signifying Christ's atoning work that he was covered, that he was cleansed by the blood of Christ, by the blood of the sacrifice. And then the oil, the oil was a sign of anointing, anointing for what is ahead, for the work to be done. The anointing of oil signifying and symbolizing that this person would hear God's voice, that his hands would be used for God's glory, and that he would walk in God's ways. And then he was anointed on his head with the remaining oil. And now the person with leprosy who was once outside, once unable 
to be in the Lord's presence, to be in the Lord's service, is now in His service. And the priest would make atonement for Him with the sin and burnt offerings and cereal offerings. You see, it was as if a resurrection had taken place. The walking dead is now walking in life. And so it is with us. We are resurrected to new life for a life of mission, to hear God's voice, to use our hands for his glory, to walk in his ways. We, just like the man with leprosy, have been cleansed. We've been cleansed and prepared for the mission that God is sending us on. To hear his voice, to use our hands for his glory and to walk in his ways. As we wrap up this morning, this message was that the messianic times had arrived. Right, this was Jesus. He had announced to the people of Nazareth. He's now announcing in his work and word that the Messiah is here. You remember in Luke chapter four, when he was in Nazareth, he said, many in Israel had leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet only Naaman was cleansed. Right, but now one is greater than Elisha had come. And Jesus has the authority to heal the ravages of sin. He has authority to heal all those with leprosy in Israel and beyond. The Messiah has arrived. You remember, when, we'll see this in just a few passages, but when John the Baptist asked Jesus if he is the one or if they should wait for another, what does he say? He said, the deaf hear, the blind see, and, they are, and those with leprosy are cleansed. It is a sign of the messianic age that Jesus was the Messiah and that he had come. And he, the Messiah, is with us. Right? He, the Messiah, is with us, even those who've been ravaged by our sin and cleansed. He says in his touch, in him coming near us, I am with you. I understand. I love you. But there's even more than, what Je- than that that Jesus is showing us in our text. That the touch of Christ's pure hand on the rotting man is a parable of the incarnation and the cross. Jesus took on our rotting flesh, became sin for us, and gave us his purity. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5.20, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus laid hold of our flesh 
He touched us and healed us. And we see Jesus, his holy hand resting on the decaying flesh of this foul-smelling leprosy. And we see what he did for us. That he came while we were dead to cleanse us and to give us life. And he calls us to use the life that he has given us, this new resurrected life, that we are cleansed for his mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder, Lord God, that your son came for us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To create in us a clean heart. To prepare us to live in light of the joy of our salvation. I pray that you would Remind us anew the great truths of what your Son, our Savior, has done. That we might have life. That we might be cleansed. That our sin may not be what defines us, but our new life in Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.